Hello and welcome back to Tay 97, a film podcast with me, your host, David Ingram. Today's episode, I shall be delving into another slice of festive delight, or should I say three slices of festive delight, and in this case we are going to be looking at the incredibly insane, crazy, and brightly colourful Santa Claus trilogy, the Disney film trilogy which started off in 1994 uh, and then concluded in 2006. All three movies starring the amazing Tim Allen, who for most of you who do love your Toy Story will know Tim Allen best for his portrayal of, or at least in voice part, for his voice tones of Buzz Lightyear in the Toy Story franchise. And we have got him in a physical form in these films obviously he's done tv shows and other things before but for me tim allen will always be either buzz lightyear or scott calvin slash santa now today's episode it is the christmas special as it were it won't be quite as spectacular and long as last year's i don't think <laughs> uh, but this year it's just gonna be a standard christmas review for you of three films but I have got a few people, a few friends of mine to come and drop by and give you a quick little Christmas shout out. So listen for those later on in the episode. But mainly today's episode will focus on the trilogy of the Santa Claus. And did there really need to be a trilogy at the end of the day? Because one of the last episodes I put out was about sequels. Really seems fitting that, you know, some people have taken to this idea quite well, you know, discussing were sequels worth making, or these sequels were amazing, etc, etc. But with the Santa Claus trilogy, I grew up with these films. Obviously, I wasn't around when uh, the Santa Claus itself was first released, but I was definitely alive when the second one came out, and especially when the third one came out. Uh, but I did grow up watching them on DVD and re-watching them constantly every Christmas. It's a genuine thing. Like, I think I've mentioned this before. There are several films, like my top films, that I have to watch every Christmas. The Santa Claus trilogy are those, even though arguably people don't like the third and sometimes the second one, but especially the third one as much as the original one. I still think it's worth watching the entire trilogy just for a bit of Christmas fun every single year, along with a few other selected titles, which I'll get back to in my rundown and see if anything's changed from last year. I don't think anything has changed my opinion from last year. I always have one number one Christmas film, uh, but we'll get to that later at the end of the episode. But before we get started on the reviews, I'd just like to remind everyone, keep following us on our Instagram and Twitter feeds. I know our Twitter feed has a bit, a bit, been a bit quiet recently, but I know that our Instagram is going to be posting a lot more content as well as we get into the new year. And we love interacting with some of you guys, fellow podcasters and podcast fans and film fans alike. We love connecting with you guys in the comments section so find our posts like them share them save them as well because that helps us get exposed as well to a wider audience and then it'd be great just to hear some of your feedback on your favorite christmas films and such so we've got the santa claus released in 1994 now just to give you a quick rundown of the idea the santa claus so that's spelt c-l-a-u-s-e so it's like a clause in a contract it's not like santa claus which doesn't have an e on the end it's like an actual contract and that is the whole premise of the film really is that scott calvin uh, played by tim allen he in this he's a divorced father and he's spending time with his son for christmas eve night and part of the christmas festive period and he uh, you can see it, it starts off very 
I don't know, very strangely, very traditional in the sense of a Disney film from the 90s. You get opened up to this world of adults and then we get introduced to a kid and the adults are sort of the main problem and they've been driven apart. And you know, it's very strange, I feel, like Disney films in general in the 90s or even films of that nature. I think Jingle All The Way kind of touches on this as well because it has a similar thing with not so much a divorced father, but the fact that, you know, everything rests on the father's shoulders kind of thing to save Christmas for their child. In both cases, it's a son. So in The Santa Claus, we have Charlie, who is the son of Scott Calvin and Laura Miller. Obviously, Laura is the mother who is now with a new man called Neil Miller, Dr. Neil Miller, who's a psychiatrist i think he's like a psychological doctor so he's always psychoanalyzing everything that charlie says and does uh and everyone and that and throughout the entire film you get several jokes about him going here's my card see come and see me sometime <laughs> and we get this brash dynamic of the family or dysfunctional family so we have scott obviously trying to be the dad the fun dad uh making out that neil is very boring he's the boring stepdad even though charlie has sort of learned to gain his affections as he's lived with him a bit longer than he has with his actual dad uh, and then you obviously got his mum in the middle as well uh, but so it's a bit of a family drama going on and we're opened up to the film with this Christmas, lavish Christmas party at like a very traditional 90s work do where they're all wearing a <laughs> oversized suits and you know it's very of the period uh, and it's because Scott works as a toy salesman and he they're talking about some new doll, baby doll that they've made really popular for Christmas and it's sold really well and this Christmas party they're enjoying. Scott stands up and gives this little speech and says oh it's down to me and the team you know it's really good, uh, Merry Christmas and all that. And then we see him making his way home. And it's really funny because the first little thing, because this is, these films are comedy films at their heart. And I feel like it's the sort of comedy that is lost in some films these days. I, sometimes some Disney films do still retain this level of humour. But I do like the fact that as, you know, we don't like to see an irresponsible parent. We want to root for that family values as it were you know you want the father-son connection then you want to see the father do everything for their child which in a way the film ultimately shows scott calvin's true self and then makes him a better person by the end of it uh, and i'll get more onto that later but we see him driving through the snow and it's like, oh it's so busy the traffic's so hectic uh he's literally the only one on the road <laughs> there's no one else uh, he's not busy at all he's just running late because he's you know absent-minded and he's too busy focusing on his work and being a big shot toy salesman but i just think that you know we get this family drama at the beginning and nothing particularly disney happens really and you get scott reading the story of the night before christmas to charlie to go to sleep and then santa comes along and we actually get introduced to santa and the events of the rest of the film. And the short end of it is that Santa, actual Santa, falls off the roof. And Scott, by putting on the Santa cloak and trousers and everything, the whole Santa gear, he is then subjected to the Santa Claus, which is in very small fine print on a business card, which was being held by the old Santa who literally melts away. It's probably the most terrifying image ever. If you're a kid watching the Santa Claus for the first time, like you idolize Santa and then all of a sudden in this film Santa just falls off a roof and then he melts away into nothingness all for some guy some really greedy selfish guy to take his clothes and then 
assume his position. And that's the short range of it, is that the film it is at its heart really shows this struggle for not so much custody, but like affection and that need to be loved by their child. And in a way, because at one point, obviously, the whole idea of this is Scott Calvin becomes Santa Claus. Again, a bit of a Disney gag there, SC for Scott Calvin, SC for Santa Claus. They set this up that he's becoming Santa because of the magical Santa Claus. We see them go to the North Pole and this all being explained by probably one of my favourite side characters ever, Bernard the Elf, the head elf Bernard. He's just such a... I can't remember the actor's name, but he's such a great anchor to the world of the North Pole and Santa and the magic of Christmas that, you know, you kind of really root for him even more so than you do for Tim Allen as Santa, especially when you get into the later parts of the trilogy. As we make our way through the film, Scott slowly adjusts and becomes Santa, like his hair goes white, he grows a beard, he gains lots of weight overnight. And also, he just generally becomes more Santa-like. And obviously, for everyday people, they think this is concerning. uh, Because after their journey to the North Pole, Charlie is fixated on the fact that his dad is now Santa Claus. And that brings a whole psychological level into it with Dr. Miller. Convinced that Charlie's got something wrong in his head because that Scott's like psychologically abusing him in a way by trying to appeal to Charlie's nature as a child, innocence as a child, to gain his trust and favour and be the favourite parent, I suppose, as it were, by transforming himself into Santa, even though the transformation or Santification, as it later becomes known, is completely out of his control, even though he's the one and it is his fault for putting on the suit in the first place. I just think that the film itself has got a lot of heart, really, and it's very much a case of showing how um, one man can change his perspective on life and how you can be really, I don't know, absent-minded when it comes to the things that matter the most. And I do feel like it's very in, as well as obviously being about Santa and it's set at Christmas, and it is a Christmas film because it's undeniable, the jingle bells can be heard from miles away. I think you can connect the story of particularly the first Santa Claus with the old Charles Dickens tale of A Christmas Carol. You know, we have Ebenezer Scrooge, who is bar humbug. He's very much against Christmas. Now, I'm not saying Scott's against Christmas. He's not. He actually profits from Christmas because of his vocation as a toy salesman. But at the end of the day, Scrooge in A Christmas Carol, slowly, you know, he sees things. He, by the end of the story, he learns the error of his ways. He learns that it's not always good to be sort of on the down about everything all the time and he's a changed man by the end of the film and he learns to appreciate the small things in life and I feel like whilst yes there's all these jingle bells and bells and whistles and all that for the magic of Christmas with Tim Allen's character becoming Santa Claus we get to see a lovely heartwarming story about how one man who was quite selfish before has been taught how to love his family for has been taught how to love properly again then and how to appreciate the smaller things those moments with his family than he ever had before all because of the magic of christmas and a bit of belief in santa claus really Uh, and ultimately as well you see the characters so like neil were exposed to the fact that he gave up on believing in santa at the age of like two or three or so really young um because he didn't get a present for christmas one year and the same could be said for laura as well who was a little bit like more like seven eight year old or something like that who stopped believing in santa because she really wanted a present and she didn't get it one year so the magic has lost and 
by the end of the film, obviously because Scott is Santa and they know him, they start to get that magic back. So whilst Scott has learned to be a little less selfish and appreciate and be a bit more selfless then, especially in the moments we have a lovely moment where Scott gives himself up to the police because everybody thinks that he's kidnapped Charlie. So he's being selfless and turning himself in and sort of letting things come to him. And even though he's not really given up the fight, he's really showing that he doesn't have to think about himself. Like, because realistically, because it's a comedy, he could have just gone, well, I don't care about this and just done some funny Christmas magic and got out of that really quickly in a, and been really sarcastic and in a really selfish manner. But the point of this film is it's a heartwarming family film and it shows that no matter what the divide there is in a family, you can always repair it with a bit of sparkle and magic. And as cheesy as that sounds, that is the ultimate aim of the Santa Claus, that this broken family, a divorced mum and dad, plus a stepdad, and the child in the middle, have all been repaired by the magic of Christmas. It just so happens that the birth father is actually <laughs> is Santa by the end of the film. But uh, that's generally the idea of the first Santa Claus, and I'll let you guys enjoy that film. I would rate the first Santa Claus definitely four out of five. There's certain things, obviously, because it's a Disney film, there's a lot of naivety here and there, but I'd rate the Santa Claus, the first one, a strong four out of five stars because it's genuine fun. There's loads of funny moments, especially, you know, the, the amount of presents that come to Scott's house the naughty and nice list, which is all packed up in these many, many boxes. I just think it's an enjoyable film from start to finish, and Tim Allen really encapsulates both the sarcasm and wit of Scott Calvin, but also that little twinkle and sparkle that you get from a portrayal of Santa. Like, I've seen many Santas before, and I've said on the last Christmas episode I did with Gov Chandran last year, I said to him that for me, Tim Allen will always be Santa in a cinematic term. I feel like, you know, I've seen Kurt Russell as Santa in The Christmas Chronicles. I've also seen, um, I think it's Dudley Moore. Dudley Moore in Santa Claus, the movie, I think it is. And then there's Richard Attenborough as well, which we can't forget as the uh, Miracle on 34th Street. Uh, which also came out around, I think it was the same year, in fact, so The Battle of the Santas, I think it was 1994 that that film came out. Um, but I think that, for me, Tim Allen will always be my personal Santa, because I grew up with those films. Uh, and, you know, that's why I love the first film, it's a heartwarming tale. And getting back to the idea of the sequels, The Santa Claus 2, pretty much... I know, The Santa Claus 2 goes into, like, new territory. It's very fun and... A little bit wacky, a little bit crazy, and it takes the whole fantasy aspect of Christmas to a new level. And I'll get to something in a minute where I, I read the synopsis for <laughs> each of the films on Disney+. Plus. The Disney Plus synopsis for each film of the Santa Claus trilogy is pretty hilarious. I'm not going to lie to you, it was very funny. I just think that, like, I think it's the first one, so I've got it right here. The first one is a bizarre twist of fate transforms a divorced dad into the new Santa. I just think that's a really hilarious way to send up a film. Like, <laughs> you know, what a way to introduce a kid's film, you know, and that's on Disney Plus as well. That's hilarious. Before I get on to the second film, though, before I get on to the Santa Claus 2 and I start discussing that and my highlights from that, um, my rating of it in general and why you should watch it as well, uh, or maybe why you shouldn't because some people don't like it as much, as the first one, for obvious reasons. I just want to quickly go to a couple of guests who have something to say uh, in the way of their Christmas messages for you, 
the Take 97 listeners. And first up, we're going to head on over to my very good friend from quite near the beginning of the Take 97 2021 journey, uh, and that is Billy Morton. I'll let you listen to what he has to say about his favourite Christmas film and a recommendation for you guys. It is a classic after all, but without further ado, take it away, Billy. Hi, it's Billy here from the Hitchcock episode. I'd just like to wish you all a very Merry Christmas. If you're looking for a Christmas film to warm your cockles over the colder months, uh, do check out my favourite, It's a Wonderful Life. Uh, If you haven't seen it, it's an absolute classic. But be warned, bring tissues. And thank you there, Billy, for that wonderful recommendation there. Uh, It's a Wonderful Life undoubtedly a classic of its time and eternally forever and ever a day i it's a very sad one as billy just says please bring tissues it's a very good film if you haven't seen it's a wonderful life you haven't watched it you haven't lived so uh strap tight and if you fancy watching that that's billy's recommendation uh, thank you so much for sending that in billy next up because we are talking about the santa claus trilogy i just wanted to get back to this later in the episode i will also be delving into my top five films i think i've mentioned them before but it's always good to reaffirm and any christmas classics that or films that may have escaped me in the over the last year or general recommendations that i enjoy telling people you should watch these films uh, <laughs> if you haven't watched them why not uh, but next up on my review list so we have got the sequel to the santa claus and this brings me back to what i was saying about the sequels in one of my other episodes not long ago about sequels are they good are they bad what's the good recipe for a sequel and what i learned from that episode was that to make a good sequel you need to build on the world that you have already founded in the first film expand it but keep some of the magic of the first one or some of the core aspects of the first one then shall we say that is definitely the case for the santa claus 2 i do think it goes a little bit over the top in terms of the world building (laughs) just a tiny bit so the santa claus it it's a drama and a family film all about the reconnection of family and as i said i made the comparison to charles dickens christmas carol where one man or in this case, quite a lot of men and women, learn the errors of their ways and try to see the Christmas spirit in a new light, shall we say. The Santa Claus 2 continues, and it's quite funny as well, because some films, especially Marvel films, they don't always keep with the whole time frame of between release dates. This one actually acknowledges the fact that Scott Calvin has been Santa for about six years. So, I mean, it's still a little bit in its early infancy, kind of. I think it's based on 2001, I think, when it did, it did come out in 2002. But yeah, so the time frame is very close to the actual, between the theatrical dates and what's happened on screen as well. So it's almost like in real time then. If you watched this at the cinema when it first came out, you'd be waiting those long six years for Santa to come back on the screen as Tim Allen. With the second one, though so we get to see more of the north pole than we did before Uh, we get to see even more of it like the third one we see just as much of it if not more as well but the second one really builds this whole world of you know we got to see the real world as it were you know america where scott lives and his neighborhood and the people in the humans in that neighborhood rather than the elves and 
all the people who work for Santa in the workshop and such. This goes one step further though. So we get to see everybody, everybody there. We get to see the lovely snow-filled landscapes of the North Pole. Like we get a glimpse of it, which looks beautiful in the first one of a um, when Scott Calvin's, before he even becomes Santa, he steps out onto this balcony and goes, oh my God, there's a, po there's a polar bear directing traffic down there. And we don't see that, but... We still don't see that later. I think that would have looked really cheap and tacky if we did, so I'm glad we didn't. But we get to see this lovely... I, I want to say it's like almost like a superimposed background uh, of the city of a cityscape in a way that is the North Pole. And we get to see a little bit more of a realistic depiction of it where people actually do walk around the outside streets of the North Pole. But particularly... The workshop that Santa works in is much different and it's expanded tenfold as well. And the sets for the Santa Claus 2 do get reused for the third Santa Claus movie a little bit more. So we're a little bit more familiar with the settings then. I mean, there are still features that are retained. So such as like, I think it's the bedrooms uh, retained from the first film and used in the second one. But we get to see a similar location. It's expanded. It's much more brighter, fresher. It's more money to come in. And Santa's been Santa for six years now, so Scott Calvin's been in this role for quite a while. And the, I just want to point out that the brilliant Disney Plus uh, synopsis of the Santa Claus too. I just I mentioned the comical, uh, a bizarre twist of fate transforms a divorced dad into the new Santa. Uh, for the first one the santa claus 2 does one better and goes scott calvin must get married by christmas eve or lose his title as santa <laughs> i know because it's a kid's film it's meant to sound really high stakes in such a short sentence but i think disney plus are just really just killing it with their short descriptions of the the films <laughs> i just think you know it's like you must get married or you will not be santa anymore boo <laughs> It's just a bit bizarre, I'm not going to lie to you. Um, the first one was really heartwarming, the second one is just bizarre. So like I said, we got to see more of the North Pole, and then we also get to see um, a slightly old Charlie as well, who's actually one of the subplots in the film. I feel like the reason why people don't like the Santa Claus 2, and it's my criticism of it as well, is that the film tries to cram so much in. Like... The Santa Claus is very simple, basic, father-son bonding, child goes missing, Scott get, Santa gets accused of kidnapping a child, that kind of thing. But then we get the second one where, like the synopsis says, there's a Mrs. Claus, so another clause in the contract, the Mrs. Claus, where a desantification process will begin and he will no longer be Santa if... He does not get married by Christmas Eve. So we eventually find a woman who's called Carol Newman. I think she's connected to... I think she's one of Charlie's teachers, I think, if I remember off the top of my head, at Charlie's um, school. And she, obviously, it's... You know, if you haven't seen these films or you don't know the premise, you know that it's a Disney film. They're going to get together by the end of it. But there's lots of toing and throwing of will they, won't they kind of thing. But that's one plot where Scott has to become a married man by the end of the film to maintain his Santa title. But then whilst he's missing in action and busy, he needs to leave someone in charge. So there's a toy Santa. So a little toy figurine of Santa gets enlarged and brought to life. Uh, he's a plastic Santa. So it is Tim Allen still, but he gets brought to life and to run things as if nothing no Santa was ever missing at all but actually in fact things go quite awry because fake Santa actually takes the whole naughty nice thing to a new level and he creates mayhem there and then we also get I think it's um Charlie's misbehaving at school as well so 
that's another thing that brings Scott back to the real world, and that's what adds the drama to it. So, you know, the first one, it was about family conflicts. Family conflicts continue into the second one. That's the one thing I think is constant in this trilogy, is this essence of family and the idea that no matter how magical and special you can be, at the end of the day, we're all human, everybody has a family, everybody has the need for love in their life, and that's what the second... The second film is a romance film at the end of the day, uh, with a few complications and lots of comedic skits here and there. Fake Santa thinking that everyone's naughty, and then obviously the desantification process becomes more and more, and we get to see more Tim Allen as Tim Allen's face, without the beard and everything on, and we see him trying to woo carol to become his mrs claus and ultimately that's the general gist of the film that a toy santa takes over is the bad guy santa needs to get married but he also needs to sort out his son who's misbehaving at school and generally being naughty because he is found on the naughty list this year so i think the second one the reason why people don't like it is because there is so much plot in there like you got so many characters so much things going on but at the end of the day, I do like the Santa Claus too because it really sends up what we've learned about a good sequel. It really expands the world. It doesn't go back on itself. And <laughs> this is the comical thing as well. At the beginning of the film, we are introduced to, I think it's I think it's the second one anyway, or at least in the third as well. We are introduced to all the many different people who control the different holidays. We meet Mother Nature. Uh, we meet uh, the Easter Bunny. <laughs> um, Sandman as well, the, the person who controls your sleep and everything and time and everything like that oh, father time actually is in it as well actually father time sandman all these um, holiday characters and people and figures from different parts of the globe and also parts of the holiday sphere as it were the holiday multiverse um <laughs> that's not even a term but you see them all gathered together in this big room and i just think it's quite funny because they're all like coming together for like an emergency meeting because santa's not going to be santa anymore so we have to cover for him and help him out with all these different bits and pieces that are going on as you know christmas is around the corner santa's got to get married and then on top of that the workshop at the North Pole goes all awry because of the fake Santa. <laughs> what I would say is I would rate the Santa Claus 2. I rate it probably for me. I do enjoy it, don't get me wrong, but it's not got quite the same sort of warmth as the first one. It's fun, but there are things about it that I, I kind of think, yeah, they've expanded the universe, it's really good and everything, but I think I'd rate it three and a half, maybe. I'd say four as well, to be honest with you, because it's a solid four. Five would only make it five because of the fact that it's, you know, if it was completely revolutionary. But I think the introduction of more sophisticated technology as they go by and by, you get to see the films improve in their technological cinematic presence. So the first film, I'd probably say, I'd give it, I'd give it four stars. I'd probably say three and a half, maybe actually. I'd go back on that and say, because of the time it was made, some of the techniques that were used, they are dated when you look at them now, but the story I would say is a solid four, and the film itself as a whole would be a three and a half, maybe, for the first one. The second one, the, the fake Santa just is freaky. It's just weird, because <laughs> he's so plastic and so strange. It's like the real, because everything was done by as well as animation as well, there was animated sequences with the reindeer sleigh sort of dogfight, as it were. That's one of my highlights from the film, actually, the dogfight between Santa and Scott Calvin, well, fake Santa and Scott Calvin. And at the end of the day, I'd say 
again as a film itself i'd say four overall but it it does lack the story is quite simple but it is a kid's film at the end of the day when it first started out so with a few adult gags put in here and there so i'd say three and a half on the story front there but i do highly rate it i would say the santa claus is better than the santa claus 2 though now i'm going to say something controversial in a minute when i get to this next bit the third film is probably up with the first one i do like the third one as my favorite sequel now people don't like it as much because i think they think it goes all over the place and it goes against the sequel code it goes back on itself because literally it does a back to the future part two where we go back in time and we get to see all of the events of the first film being undone the essential question of the santa claus three which is called the Santa Claus 3, the escape clause. So basically the escape clause where Santa gets to leave being Santa behind and just become a regular person again and transfer the Santa powers onto somebody else. That is the escape clause. Uh, and it features Martin Short as the brilliant Jack Frost, who we didn't see in the first like iteration of like all the other magical creatures and beings and stuff in the second film. I think Martin Short does a brilliant job. I love his look and everything. His frozen icicle look. It's really cool and really villainous then because i feel like although we had evil santa in the second one there isn't really that many like he's the antagonist but we don't feel like as much of a threat in the second one um as we do from martin short's jack frost jack frost is malevolent and very kind and persuasive with what he's saying but he's very dastardly in what he does at the same time he's very evil and cunning the first film has no enemies except for maybe people just misunderstanding what is going on with scott as a person and the fact that he is actually santa whereas you know santa claus 2 actually tries to set up a fantasy world with a villain i think the villain was subpar in this case but i think jack frost as a character and martin short's portrayal of him is a brilliant excellent portrayal of the frosty man who's meant to be quite a nice character jack frost nipping at your nose you know from the song um, but he's generally jealous that he doesn't get as much airtime as Santa does, even though they're both around for the winter season. And then, yeah, basically the film itself, the premise is what if the events of the first film never happened, <laughs> essentially. Forget the second film. What if the first film never happened and somebody else put the Santa suit on? Or in actual fact, if Jack Frost interfered and goes back in time and makes Santa give up being Santa and then he becomes Santa and changes Christmas for everyone. And in a way, like, it makes things... I think Jack Frost is made out to be quite a capitalist figure then because he makes the North Pole public and everybody aware that the North Pole exists and he makes it into a theme park. He makes the elves glorified ticket salespeople and tour guides and he makes them and the reindeers into glorified slaves then and at the end of it he's meant to be this all-powerful almighty presence that changes christmas into this holiday that's not just a warm happy festive time for gathering of people together in one place to appreciate the little things in life as well as presents <laughs> but he takes the whole capitalist idea of it to a new level he makes that theme park he makes money out of things but he makes the true magic of christmas disappear 
by smashing it with his icy cold fist. And before I continue on with more explanation on the Santa Claus 3, and a couple of my highlights from it as well, I would like to just quickly take a pause and make a return to some of our guests who have a few things to say for the Christmas season. Here's just a compilation of a couple of messages to wish you guys a very Merry Christmas. So without further ado, here are some more guest spots for you guys. Hello, I'm Ollie Marvin, and I just want to wish every Take 97 listener a very Merry Christmas and an excellent New Year. Hope it's a good one. We wish you a Merry Christmas, we wish you a Merry Christmas, we wish you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Hi, my name's Spencer Anderson, I'm just wishing all of you at Take 97 a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Hey everyone, this is Ace from Films Unchained Podcast. And right here in Take 97, I hope you're all staying safe, well, and healthy with your family and your loved ones. Happy holidays. Thank you very much. So just a reminder, that was Ollie, who was on the animated episode. Uh, Spencer, who's on the East Rail 177 trilogy episode as well, wishing you a Merry Christmas. Thank you for sending those in, guys. And also my good friend Ace from Films Unchained. I cannot wait to do some more collaborations with you, Ace. Absolutely looking forward to those. But for now, before we go to the final Christmas messages and conclude this episode, really, uh, I'm going to just quickly wrap up with the Santa Claus 3. So like I just said, the Santa Claus 3 is probably, I would say, my favourite of the two sequels to the original. The original is untouchable, but the third one... I think it's because it's got that time travel element and messing with one's past and I find that so interesting that the chain of events can be completely altered all because of one tiny moment and that moment is the general jumping off point in the first film. The moment that Scott Calvin puts the suit on, he becomes Santa but if the suit wasn't there for him to put on and somebody else got there first, he would never become Santa and events would go out completely differently and I feel like... I like the way, because they do the same thing in Back to the Future Part 2, where they see multiple Martys, multiple Docs, people interacting with their past selves, or even just being around the corner. And I think it's quite clever when they restage things, or even use older footage to slip into the middle of the film so that they can slot the film together. I just enjoyed, even as cheap as it is to see Jack Frost going, hee hee, I've got the Santa suit, woohoo. Um... It's quite a a very elaborate plan, really, you know, make Scott Calvin never become Santa again and make me Santa Claus and change it for his own evil ways. And like I said, you know, this film is very comparable to Back to the Future Part 2, in actual fact, because if you think about it, Back to the Future Part 2, you get to see Biff uh, in Biff Tower in a very Donald Trump-like way. As we've now learned to say, he does look like Donald Trump in that moment, you know, with Biff Towers and in that dystopian future. In a way, that dystopian future is toned down a little bit, but used for a child audience. And it's displayed in the capitalist sensibility of Jack Frost's way of thinking that Christmas should be this holiday for profit rather than a holiday for goodwill, joy and happiness. He thinks happiness can be bought with money quite easily and he wants to make a quick buck out of it. And, you know, you see Jack Frost isn't too different. Martin Short's Jack Frost is not really much different from, as I said, Biff Tannen in Back to Future Part 2. 
They're both sort of underling has-beens who, you know, they have big ideas, but they don't really want to be like that all the time. They want to be the main guy, the guy in charge. And because of a twist of fate due to messing with the timeline, time travel, looking at you, Barry Allen, (laughs) the Flash. Um, But no, seriously, looking at those kind of devices, for plot devices then for these films, you get to see how someone who is seen as the outcast and bad guy then can become even more of a bad guy but in their eyes they are becoming a true hero for themselves and they think that they're doing the right thing and ultimately because it's a kids film Jack Frost is you know his intentions are to make Christmas the biggest spectacle ever and that's great but at the same time he's doing it in a really evil villainous way and because he's got such a thing against Santa Uh, the current Santa anyway, at least Tim Allen Santa, that he goes about in such a tricky, slippery way by tricking Tim Allen into taking this magic snow globe to make him human again. But I I can't really say much more about the Santa Claus 3 other than, you know, we see a dystopian world where, you know, Scott Calvin is very much, even though he retains his memories from his Santa life, he gets put down into the past, into the moment, not long after he'd become Santa, and then back to the present day, and we see kind of that, like, I think in Back to the Future, we see the fact that George McFly's died in this uh, alternate timeline of Back to the Future Part 2. The same can be said for the Santa Claus 3. You get very dark, and it's, I think, with the, I made a Charles Dickens comparison earlier with the original Santa Claus, where one man sees the error of his ways in light of the seasonal goodwill. I think... The other thing that the Santa Claus trilogy does earn itself a lot of gratitude to is the Christmas Carol plot device from Charles Dickens where we have this concept of Christmas past, Christmas present and Christmas future. And that is applied very much in the Santa Claus 3 because we have Christmas present, which we have two versions of the present really. We have the present day with Jack Frost, but it also acts as an you know, alternate timeline where Jack Frost is Santa Claus. But then we have the present day, which is the regular everyday where Tim Allen is Santa. Christmas past, which we see as the event where Santa falls off the roof and the Santa Claus, the original Santa Claus, is engaged by putting the suit on and therefore creating a new Santa. But then the Christmas, I think the Christmas present, as I said, the dystopian world of Jack Frost's Christmas is ultimately another version of Christmas future, a a way of showing Scott what Christmas would be like without him. Not necessarily the best Christmas without him, but a potential dark version of what would happen in a world without a moral Santa. A Santa without moral compass, then, shall we say. And I think that is the ultimate message that you should be careful what you wish for in all three of these films. Be careful what you wish for. You wish for your son to love you again as much as he loves his stepdad. He idolises his stepdad because you wish for the your you find the love of your life you do find it but do you lose what you want to become overall but do you lose your festive joy and sparkle because at the end of the day scott actually thinks oh i don't really want to go down with the santa part i want to just marry this woman because i love her and you that's the message of the second one really with the love story is that you marry someone for the right reasons you don't go into the marriage because it's a done thing to do you do it because you love them 
in this sense of the way anyway and then the third one is really be careful what you wish for because he wishes that he'd never become santa because of the pressures that it's putting on his family um and then also there's the random subplot of the in-laws as well <laughs> the classic comedy of the let's meet the in-laws is stuck in the middle of it and it's really crazy to see how this turns out like the fact that an in-law dispute leads to wishing that he'd never become santa again and then by the end of the film things get fixed but ultimately the santa claus trilogy is a story of family fun joy heartbreak uh, wishes that were never fulfilled wishes that do get fulfilled and just learning to believe in the spirit of christmas really the same can be said for another film that i really do like is the animated film from 2004 the polar express uh, featuring tom hanks in multiple voice roles and that one's all about the art of seeing isn't believing but believing is seeing and that is something that is referenced in the first film and something that is done in the Polar Express as well. But yeah, I do feel like the Santa Claus trilogy, you watch all three of them, you've got a perfect world. You'd never need to see any more of that. I really hope they never revisit the world because they just don't need to. The trilogy works perfectly as it is. But if you just want to watch the first one on its own, that's absolutely fine. It is a perfectly good film all by itself. But yeah. Like I said, the Santa Claus 3, I'd probably rate it. I'd probably rate it. Maybe I'm I'm probably in an unpopular minority here, but I would rate the Santa Claus 3 a good five stars out of five because it expands the world of the first film. But yes, it does go back on itself and go back in time, but it uses that classic, I know it's a bit niche and a bit cheesy concept to go back and rewrite your history and learn the error of your ways. But again, like I keep saying, these were made for kids originally with a few little gags to adults and nods to adult humour here and there. But I do think that the Santa Claus 3 as a sequel is a good five out of five. It's not the best one. I'd say solidly the story is quite, it, it, it's fairly good versus evil. So you could lower it down to a 3.5 if you're going to be brutally honest about it and say that the Santa Claus is the best one. For me though, personally, um, all three of them, I mean, I'd rank them one, two, three as they come out quite simply like that. But then I think the third one, because of the time travel element for me personally, it does have that extra edge. But I'll leave it up to you guys. What do you guys think? Do you like the Santa Claus trilogy? Is there any one in particular you prefer? Um, if you like the first one and you don't really like the second two, that's fair. But do you like any of the sequels one over the other? Is three your favourite? Is two your favourite? Let me know on our comment section on our Instagram post and social media out there but I do think that overall the Santa Claus trilogy is a fun-filled family ride with heartwarming moments throughout and I think no Christmas viewing is complete without it so definitely watch the Santa Claus 1, 2 and 3. They're on Disney Plus so they're readily available uh, if you're old school you can get them on DVD as well so by all means check those out as well if you're into your physical media but like i said these films for me i grew up with them i was quite young when i watched them as well and i i watch them every once in a while i haven't watched them for a while until recently actually and i forgot how good the first one was to be honest with you and how nostalgic you can get just watching them so please do check those out like i said disney plus subscription if you got it and you want some festive films to watch watch those now I've sort of concluded the Santa Claus discussion slash review of the trilogy. I know I've gone through that quite quickly, but this is going to be the last bit of the episode. So I'm, I'm going to go over to a final compilation of guests with some recommendations and just general Christmas wishes for you guys over the festive period. So take it away, guys. These are the remaining guest spots for the Christmas special of Take 97, a film podcast. 
Hello listeners of the Take 97 podcast. Uh, my name is Jack Burney and I'm just coming on here to wish everyone listening to this a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. We did a, an episode a couple of months ago about the making of my short film Riverboat um, and it was a great experience, great to chat to David. Um, so make sure to go and check that out. So I have a movie recommendation this year uh, and it's a Christmas movie but it's one that maybe you might not think is a Christmas movie and it is the brand new A24 film called The Green Knight. Uh, it's really, really good. It's a fantasy film, and it is set at Christmas, so it is technically a Christmas film. Uh, it's a really good film if you want some Christmas fantasy, some medieval Christmas fantasy. It's really, really good. Um, I enjoyed it. I thought that it was a really good mythological film, and something a little bit different that isn't Die Hard, that isn't Home Alone. Um, something to really scratch that cinema itch over Christmas. Um, so yeah, check it out. A24, it's on Amazon Prime. I think if you've got a Prime membership... Uh, then you can just watch it for free um so yeah check it out that is my recommendation the green knight from a24 and i hope that everyone has a very merry christmas and a happy new year so thanks a lot and i look forward to seeing what the take 97 podcast has for the new year thank you hello and merry christmas to all the take 97 uh podcast listeners uh i'm adrian and i was a guest on the show uh a few weeks ago um, I would just like to wish everyone, obviously, a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. And if you are looking for something a little bit different to watch this Christmas, um, I would like to recommend one of my personal favourite Christmas movies, and that is Black Christmas. It is one of those slasher films that I'm sure will entertain you and is a little bit different for Christmas. So once again, have a great Christmas, stay safe and have a really, really Happy New Year. Thanks a lot. Hi, this is Sean, just saying Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year to David and all the listeners of Take 97, a film podcast. Thank you very much there, guys. That was brilliant just to hear all those people just giving us some of their recommendations there. Um, thank you so much for contributing those. But I did say that I would provide a top five or at least a top list of movies that I love to watch at Christmas, which if any of you guys listened to my discussion with Gov Chandran last Christmas, then you will know one of them in particular is my ultimate favourite and my absolute favourite film to watch at Christmas time. I love Home Alone. Home Alone is my favourite Christmas film. Um, but to be honest with you, it's not, not the first one that's my favourite the most. Home Alone 2. I will go all the way with this one, and I absolutely love it. I lo It's because I have an obsession with New York City on film, and just generally the city in general, because I think it's such a cool place. Uh, and I can say that because I have been, so I'm not a fraud. <laughs> but I do think that New York City is a brilliant city, especially on film. And the mixture of comedy and Christmas and everything else in between, you know, I just love it. It's a christmas tradition that i always have every year i have to watch one of the home alone films especially if it's number two though uh, along with i order myself a pizza uh, i watch home alone and that's my sort of little festive tradition i have to do it every year a takeaway pizza home alone specifically home alone 2 lost in new york it's my favorite thing to do uh, that's my number one christmas film that i do love every single year i have obviously i like to watch the santa claus trilogy every once in a while as well but probably not as much as the home alone today every year i do watch uh, the other ones that i do enjoy as well jingle all the way with arnold schwarzenegger um i know that the guys at the 
Good Times Bad Movies podcast. Um, they have done a review on Jingle All The Way. Please do check that out. That is a really good episode. I had to listen to that the other day. It's really good. Um, <laughs> and I just, I, I enjoy Jingle All The Way for all its weirdness and wackiness and craziness, you know. And put the cookie down <laughs> is my favourite line from Jingle All The Way. It's just a bizarre film. I think most Christmas comedy films in their own right regardless of what the subject matter is they're just bonkers but then again it's the festive season and it is the time to be merry and the time to be bonkers so yeah i do love jingle all the way for all this weird and wackiness uh home alone 2 as well that's my number one as well i enjoy the santa claus trilogy but then i don't watch it every year other films i do like watching uh, it's wonderful life like billy suggested is a really good film to watch as well if you're into your classic films I also love, there's two classic films that I do enjoy, not watching every year, but every once in a while. There's White Christmas, which, although it's a 1950s film, um, I think it's the 50s anyway, it is in colour. Uh, it features Irving Berlin's song, White Christmas. Uh, it's got Bing Crosby in it as well. Bing Crosby's in the other film, though, that, that the song originated from. And that is, if you ever watch the music channels at Christmas and you see the music videos, you'll see the compilation video of this particular scene, this particular shot, and that is Holiday Inn. Uh, Holiday Inn featuring Fred Astaire and Bing Crosby. I have, I own a copy of it on DVD, and there's a colorized version of it as well. I think they've done a colorized version of It's Wonderful Life as well, which is, I don't know, it's very interesting to see Christmas films that you know as wholesome black and white films in color, but I think you should really just appreciate the Christmas films in black and white for what they are because i feel i've said this many times before black and white really gets you to the heart of the emotion you focus on no dazzling colors or anything you focus on the emotion that's done through actors performances and such and holiday inn it's musical in many parts it's got lots of songs including white christmas it's a romance film it's filled with holiday cheer and holiday sort of not even nostalgia sort of but I just think that it's a lovely film to watch. So I'd honestly say if I was doing a top five, Home Alone 2 at number one, um, Jingle All The Way at number two, Holiday Inn at number three, uh, Polar Express I love as well. That's another one at number four. Uh, and I think th I also have a new favourite actually, even though it's a musical and it's sung through quite a lot. It was a recent edition actually I quite enjoy. was um, uh, the Jingle, Jingle Jangle which was, it starred Forrest Whitaker, and it was about, like, a, it was kind of, like, set in, like, a North Pole kind of setting, but not. An all-black cast for the majority of the film, um, it's got, I've got, is Michael Keenan? Keystone? I can't remember his name, Michael Key. Uh, he's in The Prom. He's pretty much in lots of Netflix things these days, but he's really fantastic. He kind of does a similar thing to what Martin Short does in, uh, with Jack Frost in The Santa Claus. He's very malevolent. He's the rival toy maker of Forrest Whitaker's character. And um, I, it's a musical at its heart. It's really wholesome and it's on Netflix as well if you want to check it out. But yeah, I recommended that last year and I watched it myself and I really do think it's worth a look as well. It's a different film. It's got like R&B influences as well as classic musical influences as well in the way the music is created and portrayed. But... Um, I do think that the ultimate film for me will always be Home Alone 2.
And another film I'd like to recommend, I know it's not, it's particularly Christmassy in the sense that it's set around the festive period, uh, but it's just come around out this year in 2021. Uh, it's called Boxing Day. Uh, it's a new romantic comedy, so it's up there. It's trying to be up there with the whole likes of Love Actually, even the Christmas bits in Bridget Jones's Diary as well. Um, but yeah, Boxing Day stars uh, Leanne Pinnock from the girl band Little Mix. It's got... Uh, a couple of other new rising talent in there as well. Um, it's an all-black cast as well for the majority of the film as well. So it's a definitely a slightly different film to watch at Christmas. It's not a whitewashed Christmas. It actually shows a little bit more diversity in the sense that we've got more uh, of a different perspective on the Christmas season. Um, I think it's actually tagged as being a story of a traditional black Christmas uh, but I'll just leave you guys to watch that film uh, that's out in cinemas now I believe and you can watch that now in the Christmas season as you're listening to this um, or it should be available on demand or on DVD and Blu-ray I'm assuming probably by the time uh, the Christmas season is over so you'll be able to watch that as well this is the end of the episode and i'm very excited to get started on the christmas season i hope you guys are looking forward to christmas day and for me and everyone who has contributed to take 97 i'll give a special shout out to my graphic designer killy eastwood thank you very much for presenting me with these lovely creations especially for the decade series i very much appreciate that but now all that's left to say now is but now all that's left to say is i hope you guys all have a very merry christmas and i will wish you a happy new year now but i will wish you a happy new year very soon in a week's time or so when we release the new year's episode which will be going out on new year's eve of 2021 the final episode of 2021 and it will be film 2021 and i'll be looking forward to basically seeing the year out and discussing my favorite films that I have enjoyed this past year and ones that have hit the news headlines in terms of the cinema world and things that generally have gone amazingly in the world of film really even with the COVID-19 pandemic in place still great cinema is coming to us be it made before or made during the pandemic so thank you so much for listening to this episode I hope you enjoyed it and I look forward to seeing you on the New Year's Eve episode reviewing 2021 in film and here's to many more episodes of take 97 a film podcast in 2022 but that's a wrap on take 97 the christmas 2021 edition of the podcast discussing the santa claus trilogy and i look forward to seeing you on the new year's eve episode reviewing the whole year of film thank you very much for listening guys i'll catch you later soon bye bye see you soon <laughs>